Thank you guys for doing that reading. Palm Sunday, it's a bit of a strange day, isn't it? Because we, we kind of make it around palm crosses and kind of kids and and it really feels like it's just a lead into the rest of Holy Week, which is really serious. It's all about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. But in reality, Palm Sunday is a, a significant event in itself because it points us to a couple of things. Primarily, though, it points us to who Jesus is. It points us to Jesus as the King. Because the whole environment that we see within the story reminds us of what it means to be a king. And for Jesus, as he enters into Jerusalem on that donkey, I am sure that, that many in that crowd would have remembered what Zechariah talked about, about the king coming in on a donkey. It says in John uh, chapter 12 that uh, the disciples didn't realise until sometime after Jesus was glorified. But maybe others in the crowds, as they saw Jesus coming in, knew that he could be the Messiah. He could be the one. And for them, their whole thinking was the Messiah would free them from Roman oppression. And so he was treated as a, as a conquering king coming in. The whole idea of waving palm branches was quite a, um, a nationalistic thing. And uh, whenever any significant victories were, were won within Israel, and uh, you can go back a few hundred years before this Jesus, uh, uh, entered, before Jesus entered Jerusalem, uh, they would have waved palm leaves in the air for any victory that they had. And the whole thing around laying cloaks on the floor was about people saying they were submitting to this new hero, this new king coming in. It's a significant event. And it's this whole crowd, as they, they shouted and praised for Jesus, then they're saying something significant about who he is. They're saying Hosanna, which means save. In other words, Lord, save us. What are they thinking there? They're not thinking save us from our sins. They're thinking, Lord, save us from the Romans. They were desperate to be free. And so this whole thing is about a new conquering king coming into Jerusalem. Only he doesn't come to, to do what they think, does he? And even though the crowd welcomed him, even though the crowd was shouting his name and praising God in his honour, it didn't really last long. Just a week later, that same crowd was shouting for him to be crucified. See, he wasn't the king they expected. They expected one thing and Jesus came as something else. Jesus came as a different type of king. See, the very fact that he was on a donkey reminds us that he came in peace. He didn't come on a war stallion. He didn't come on this big grand horse or a chariot. He came on a donkey. And that reminds us he came in peace. And even the Zechariah passage says, he comes as, as one who is gentle. So he's not what they expect. And the first thing he does when he enters Jerusalem isn't to go to, to Pontius Pilate and demand that the Romans leave uh, Jerusalem. No, he goes to 
the temple and casts out the Jewish moneylenders and the sellers of sacrifices. He goes to cleanse the temple, to put God right back at the center of the life of Israel. They didn't expect that. They expected him to rant and rave against the Romans. But actually he ranted and raved against the hypocrisy within their, in their faith and their religion. He didn't come to preserve the status quo. He came as a gentle king, but also a disruptive king. He came to, to shake things up and to turn tables over. And they just didn't expect that. They probably didn't even want that. See, they probably wanted their lives to go on like it normally did, except without the Romans there. They wanted a new kind of freedom that enabled them just to live their lives as they wanted to peacefully and happily without any Roman oppression. But that's not what Jesus wanted. He wanted to bring in something new. He was bringing in the kingdom of God. He was bringing in a new covenant. He was bringing in salvation and wholeness and healing. He was bringing in new life. He was bringing in a new community in the church. Jesus never preserved the status quo. He was always disruptive. And you can see that for, for us as Christians, that he makes demands on our lives, doesn't he? When we invite Jesus into our life, I think many people simply expect that they get the, the, their old life just a little bit better. Their old life with Jesus added. And that's not what we get, is it? Jesus comes in as a disruptive king. He can turn our lives upside down sometimes. He can almost make a mess of our lives in order to bring out something better. Because he's longing to see us fulfill the potential that we have within us to be the kind of people who bring in the kingdom of God. And so many people I know, and you probably know people as well, who, who accept Jesus into their life and yet somehow don't want the disruption. They don't want Jesus making demands on their resources, on their time and their finances and their futures. They don't want Jesus making demands about how they live and how they treat other people. They don't want Jesus to make demands about things like repentance and being sorry for our sin and turning away from our sin. See, when Jesus comes in, he does all of these things, doesn't he? We want to put Jesus in the boot of the car and yet Jesus wants to be in the driving seat, taking us where he wants to go. Not, we, we don't always like that. I think it's fascinating as well that here in this passage that we see that Jesus, even though Jesus had told his disciples about so much of what was going to happen, the disciples really didn't know what was going on until afterwards. As it says in that John passage, it was only after he was glorified that they understood. Someone this week asked me about where, where was God or where has God been in this last year? As we look back on all the disruption of this last year, all the pain and the hurt and the, the people losing their lives, where's God been? 
And we won't know, will we? Not for a long time. It might be only as we, we look back on this time where we'll, we'll understand what God has been doing. As we heard in our wilderness wanderings, it was Moses, as he encountered God, could only see the back of God as God walked away. We only see where God has been, not always where he's going. And I think it's a bit like that when you make Jesus your king. He takes you on a journey, he takes you on a path, and you don't always know where it's going. And it's only as you look back, you see that God has been with you all the time, and he had a purpose in what you went through. And he's leading you into something new and exciting. But we don't always get to know that. But the point is, if he is king, he has the right to do that. He has the right to disrupt our lives. He has the right to take us wherever he wants us to go. And we can resist that. See, he is still the gentle king. We can resist that and he will allow us to go our own way. But isn't it better for us to follow what Jesus wants? Isn't it better for us to go with Jesus and not simply go our own way? As we celebrate this Palm Sunday, as we think about this wonderful story of the palm leaves and the cloaks and the praise, Let's remember that actually it's a significant story in its own right that reminds us of the kingship of Jesus, not just the kingship in Israel, not just kingship of a certain group of people, but a kingship of each and every one of us. He is the king of your life. And he will not preserve the status quo because right now you are not yet fulfilling all that he wants for you. He has so much in store for you. And as we move into uh, this new season, as we kind of come out of lockdown, whatever that holds for us, he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And the question is, would you go with that, even though it might disrupt all your other plans? Or will you just try and go your own way? Let me encourage you as we step into this new season. Let's go with Jesus. Let's truly make him king. Let's make sure that what he says is what we will do. Nothing more and nothing less. Amen.